Hey everyone, welcome to People Are Complicated, a podcast produced by Cloverleaf. In this podcast, we dive into the human perceptions and instincts, emotions and relationships, all the things that cause tension at work. Because we believe that with deeper understanding, these topics can lead us to stronger, more impactful work that we're all proud of. We have so much to talk about because, well, People are complicated. My name is Kirsten Moorfield, co-founder and COO here at Cloverleaf. Welcome back to part two of our two-part series on the 11 common differences in the workplace, where I sit down with the chief research officer here at Cloverleaf, Dr. Scott Dust. Welcome back, Dr. Dust. All right, what's next on the list, Dr. Dust? I would love to talk about this difference between confidence and humility. Great research study was done a long time ago. Asked everybody in the room, um, to rate everybody else's performance within this specific uh, team episode, performance episode, mm-hmm. like how they do and, and what, who do you think was, was doing a good job, who was effective, who was a leader, etc. Before this performance episode went down where they gave them some project to work on, they had everybody rate, self-rate, things like confidence, humility, etc. Mm-hmm. At the end, What they found is that those that were rated higher in confidence were more likely to get ratings from the group members that they were more effective. Not objectively more effective, just assumptions that they were better leaders and more successful in whatever they were trying to accomplish. It is built into our psyche that those that are confident are probably performing better. So a lot of times when people are successful, they exude the confidence because now that they're successful, so it's kind of reversed, right? So the confidence didn't necessarily lead to the success. It's that they have success, now they're confident, and so now we look at them and say, oh, being confident is gonna help me be successful. Mm. And so you get a lot of people walking around that are essentially saying, I gotta have this confidence, I have to exude the fact that I know what I'm doing at all times and everything else. Okay, so what's the difference between confidence and extroversion? So, you can have quiet confidence, mm-hmm. right? Where you're confident in what you're saying when you do say it, and you're and you're confident in um, your methods, and you're confident in your conversations, and you don't feel wishy-washy and, and switch ideas. You can do that quietly, and you can do that in a way that is is mm-hmm. reserved. Extroversion would be incredibly sociable in, in explaining to people that you know what you're talking about and you know why you're talking about it. Or you could, it. in a very extroverted way, talk about how you made a really big mistake and that sure. might not come across as confident. Yeah, yeah right. Or you're exactly. not sure what to do. Or, That's okay, right. okay, yes. helpful distinction. So, confidence, yes, is correlated and associated with the extent to which you think people are, are successful and effective. And also confidence, you can look at it as like self-esteem or self-efficacy, which is essentially like your belief in yourself that you can get it done. You know, those things are good. The higher those are for you individually, the higher likelihood you do have of being successful and getting things done. So there's some good to that, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. there's the too much of a good thing effect, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're overconfident, especially if you're the, well, for you individually, if you're overconfident, you might be taking on more than you can really handle. Mm For the people that witness your overconfidence, mm-hmm. what do you think the reaction is? Steamroller. Pure annoyance, <laughs> steamroller, this person is driving me crazy. Yeah. That's not good either. Mm-hmm. So that's set that aside for a second. Okay. Humility, which arguably is kind of on the opposite side of, of the spectrum, but it's a different construct, is this recognition that you don't know everything. And you should be willing to ask questions and recognize that other people's input not only is appreciated, but needed. 
and you don't assume you know everything and it's more about this engaging conversation to ensure that you make the best possible decision. Mm -hmm. So humility has those features mm -hmm. and that's important, but also interestingly kind of the opposite of confidence, right? Because mm -hmm. you're the one saying, hey, I don't, I don't know everything here. I don't know mm -hmm. how to make the perfect podcast. Like, can you please give me some <laughs> advice on what we're supposed to be doing? And, um, but that also can be taken too far. Mm -hmm. So if I just exude humility and I have, mm -hmm. I, I don't know the correct answer to mm -hmm. everything, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I have my PhD, but I really don't know how to do that analysis or mm -hmm. I really don't know what that means. I mean, mm -hmm. that is also potentially going to be harmful mm -hmm. for your own self-efficacy and for others' perception that you're like qualified mm -hmm. to get it done. Yes. Is there a correlation between those and gender? In some situations, yes. So actually, this is an interesting, I'm glad you brought this up. So for humility, when it comes to leadership, mm -hmm. men are given a bonus for being more humble leaders. Hmm. So for example, in the study we did, we evaluated the extent to which the employee that was being led by the leader felt as if that leader was successful and felt as if there was a high quality relationship between the two. If that male leader was humble, I was more, I was more likely to rate those outcomes as higher. As an employee? As an employee. If that leader was female, she did not get the same bonus that the male did for engaging in that type of humble leadership. Mm. Right, so it's not that there's necessarily correlations between the two. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit trickier than that. It's perception, like um, appreciation of the <laughs> through perception, yeah. yeah. Right, like we almost say, yeah. we would expect that males are gonna be more agentic and more forceful and more authoritative. Agentic as in action-oriented? Yes. Yeah. And then females are gonna be more communal and kind and caring. This is the, the social cultural baggage that we've taken with us over time mm -hmm. and then kind of infused it into what we expect leaders to do. Right. Which has no, no rationale, but it is there. Does the woman get a bonus for being confident? No. It does doesn't get, go both ways. Does she get dinged for being confident? Correct. Oh, no! Yeah. And actually, where they've, they've studied this the most is in politics. Oh. So basically, when the female steps up as the potential presidential candidate and engages in this agentic behavior like her male counterparts mm -hmm. that she's running against, she comes across as abrasive, where the males come across as more confident. confident right? It's a problem. So our cognitive biases are embedded in our assumptions of what good leadership looks like. Gosh, you know where else I think that should be studied? Venture capital. So you need to be humble and confident, and there's no perfect balance. And there was also a study done, I think by Harvard Business Review, don't quote me on that, yeah. that was um, looking at what questions do venture capitalists ask women versus men. Mm -hmm. And right. they found that the questions they were asking men were positive oriented. Even if the venture capitalist was herself a woman, right. would ask like, um, so like, what do you think the upside is of this? Of, or like, um, what, like, like really just looking at like the, the, the best case scenario sure. and asking questions about that. Yeah. Whereas with women, it would be like, well, what are you going to do when you run out of money? What are you going to do when you hit the yeah, end of your runway? What are you going to do yeah. when, like, you can't find that talent, that key person you're mm -hmm. talking about? And it's mm -hmm. like negative-focused questions. Right. And so, I, 
obviously I live in this world and I'm very passionate about that, but I wonder, yeah. you know, like as a woman, I'd hate getting, pulling the woman card of like, well, you know, it's just cause I'm a woman, yeah. but I, I do get so curious about like, um, academically, like what is behind that? Like the mm -hmm. woman doesn't get points for being humble, but she gets dinged for being confident. Like right. you, you can't yeah. win. So like, right. what is it that wins? And what I always go to is it's traction, baby. It's just showing that we're succeeding and sure. that'll, yeah. that'll win all, all hearts. Yeah, but. you're right. And there's, and that's a problem. And it also speaks to the, the fact that not just men, but, but women that are also engaging in the cognitive bias, right? That, that mm -hmm. speaks to how deeply ingrained it it's is. Cultural, so and true. that's really hard to change. And I do think a lot more research can be done. And I feel like Cloverleaf really is chipping away at this mm -hmm. because you have this demographic difference that we visually see. It's a surface mm -hmm. level diversity characteristic. And then you also have a deep level characteristic, which is our traits and behaviors and everything else. And it yep. doesn't matter what you look like. Everybody's mm -hmm. varying on those different things. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times the way that people are trying to solve DE and I issues right now mm -hmm. is by reminding us of our cognitive biases and saying, yep. hey, you did this wrong. This is not the right way to think. Mm -hmm. So next time, don't do that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I make the same mistakes. Female founders or female investors make the same mistakes about female founders. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to, to rewire that. Mm -hmm. So instead, or not instead, but in addition to what we could be doing is priming people, mm -hmm. like with Clo Cloverleaf's micro nudges, to say, this is what you should be focusing on. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with what you look like and everything to do with what you act like. Mm -hmm. So instead of telling people to stop thinking about the bad, mm -hmm. give them the things that they should be thinking about, the good, the differences between who you are and who they are and yep. how you can work better together. Mm -hmm. it, it needs to be both, mm -hmm. right? So yes, diversity training still should do it. That's important. Yeah. But it's not, the full, it's not the full spectrum. What's next? Communication. Would you say that you are blunt in the way that you come across to mm -hmm. others or that you are careful in how you come across in your communication to others? Mostly blunt, <laughs> but I vary. Okay. Depending on different situations. Okay. Depending on what kind of situations, the person you're talking to or the amount of time you have or all the above. Definitely. Like the relationship I have with the person. Yeah. Yes. The amount of time we have to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, how, how much I am comfortable with the subject. Mm -hmm. If I feel that I don't yeah. know enough, I'm much more careful. And I mean, how much sleep I got last night probably <laughs> yeah. plays into it too, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, and that's probably good. I think, and that makes sense, right? Like we kind of, depending upon the moment and what we're doing and who we're working with, that's going to dictate. What about you? Yeah, I would say across time, usually very careful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and not very blunt. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. And I think it, it somewhat comes back to this tendency to be introverted and maybe those components of introversion that are about, I really want to think through every little detail internally first before I vocalize. And, mm -hmm. and if I'm blunt, it's only because I've already done all this analysis and mm -hmm. already really thought about this. And this is the, I definitely think this is the right thing to do. Yep. Then I'm potentially going to be blunt in how I come across and very forceful. And like, this is why I think this is the right thing to do. Right. But for the most part in the moment, I think I'm very careful and, and maybe defer yep. because I'm not as comfortable in the moment. People that are, blunt in their communications sometimes can be perceived both good and bad. Mm -hmm. It's good in that 
getting back to the sense of confidence and yep. they're willing to say what's on their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also come across as maybe a little brash and um, not necessarily as, um, I don't know, respectful in, in some situations, depending right. upon how it comes across. Yep. And those that are careful, I think it almost has a sense of like political savvy in there mm. of they've really thought through the best way to say it or what not to say in certain circumstances because of the people involved and because of the uh, different perspectives people might have. Mm-hmm. But they also might miss their moment. And mm-hmm. a lot of things probably end up not getting said mm-hmm. because they're being almost too careful and people aren't picking up on what they actually meant. Does this have anything to do with the speed at which you communicate? Like taking time to think first or is it not so much about that? I think it's, that's probably part of it. Mm-hmm. I think that those that are are blunt might not need as much time to really mm-hmm. process it but mm-hmm. yeah i think you can do you can st- you can still have it either way right so you could so. speak fast but kind of beat around the bush yeah yes yeah yeah i think it's kind of a two by two mm-hmm. you can picture them all but there's probably you're more likely to be blunt and, and in the moment and do we need both i think so i think I think all of us probably tend to do one or the other Mm -hmm. in general, right? So anytime you're looking at a a trait, it's consistency in a certain behavior across time and space. Mm -hmm. Essentially, that's the definition of a trait. Like this is your behavioral tendency no matter where you are, right? Mm -hmm. No matter if I'm in a meeting talking in a a one-on-one versus, you know, giving uh, uh, a presentation or hanging out with my family, right? Mm -hmm. That's a trait. And... It's probably going to be the same today that it is 10 years from now, 20 years from now, etc. In the way that we choose to communicate, I do think that there's some traits that kind of are the framework that dictate how we're going to communicate. Mm -hmm. And that tends to be relatively consistent. The challenge then becomes breaking out of that general pattern when the time is right. Mm -hmm. Like you started with. That's kind of why Mm -hmm. I started with that question. You know what your tendencies are, but you're also aware enough to know this person needs me to communicate in this specific way. Yeah. This situation dictates that. Yeah. That's hard because yeah. you're you're essentially breaking form. And you're like, pause, pause myself. Yes, pause, pause my gut right. instinct. That's yeah, right. do yeah. go go outside of what I'm comfortable with. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which is easier said than done a mm-hmm. lot of times. Yep. Yes. So takeaway on this one is it's important to know where you fall yeah. and pay attention to where other people fall so that you can flex to the situation. That's right. Exactly. It's perfect. What's next? Let's get personal. Okay. (laughs) I really want to talk about the extent to which people are comfortable talking about things that are personal. Yeah. Like when people people immediately, it's interesting, like, what was your reaction? I was like, like, I don't know if I want to talk about that. (laughs) Right? Like, because at work, it's a professional setting, right? We're here to do something for an organization. We're here because there's a transaction involved, right? We're getting paid to do the work that we want to do. But we also want to come to work as a whole person, mm-hmm. and we want to feel like we can be our authentic selves and we can talk about our lives. Many people might not feel that way. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's it's quite variant, mm-hmm. and I'm curious, like what what you think is the the right amount or what works for oh. you, and how do you make that decision? Okay, so when I think about this, I think actually authority comes into play in a annoying way. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I've seen it where authorities can become too personal because they are your 
like financial authority. They own your paycheck, right? And it can start to trip into where they either themselves or the employee starts to give them too much authority over their personal life, you know? Um, So as a leader, I am really like very careful on this one. And I think I have too much lean towards the professional side because I don't want to overstep. And then I've gotten feedback recently of like, no, I really wanted you to ask me how I was doing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so when I asked, how are you doing? Okay, great. Let's talk about work. That didn't like... That <laughs> wasn't enough. <laughs> you meant, you, it didn't seem like I really yeah. cared how you did because I really care. I just thought it might be too much if I showed up at your house with soup because you had a cold. Like, right, right. <laughs> trying not to go that far. Trying not to overstep, you know? You want to see in your pajamas. Yeah. And, yeah, I totally get it. But, I mean, I think naturally I'm so much personal to the point where, like, I, I would be happy to be unproductive to just spend a whole one-on-one about, like, yeah, how are you right. feeling lately? Right. Um, and so I, I would say I try to f- – I'm still trying to figure out what is a good balance there. Mm-hmm. What is your relationship as a potential manager, authority figure, person mm-hmm. of control with the person that you're talking with? That's mm-hmm. an important caveat that I mm-hmm. think is important. It's probably good to <laughs> caution on the side of being more – professional versus personal until and, and then it makes it harder because you have to kind of gradually get to the point that they know you're willing to get more personal and, mm-hmm. and hear about their situation without going too far it's yeah. like you really have to be careful but cautious and yeah. get in there and figure it out and i think it's a big loss if you stay professional to keep it safe yeah you don't want right. to be sterile it's easier to be sterile, but it's it's like it's one of those like short term easier, yeah. long term like right. drier yeah. and like weaker state to be in. Totally. I think everyone is human. Mm-hmm. This is Kirsten's opinion here. Yes. I think everyone's human and we want to be known right. and we want to be validated and yeah. like work is a really beautiful place where that can come out. That's right. I'm just as a leader still trying to figure out what's a healthy balance so that right. I don't come across as like feeling like I I am overstepping, really. Sure. Yeah. It makes good sense. And so here's another interesting part of the conversation, is that I feel like it's changed mm. in the last two, three years. Mm, and because of COVID? Because of COVID, and because everyone has a story, and because mm-hmm. everyone is able to kind of get a window into people's home life. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Or they're being given more opportunities to talk about their home life because they feel like they need to explain what's going on and why they're available or not un- not available mm-hmm. and the whole childcare and dual income earner household and who's working from home and where. I mean, all those types of conversations really didn't need to, there wasn't a lot of impetus to have some of those conversations mm-hmm. unless you were just bringing it up. Mm-hmm. But now the situation has caused more people to talk about those types of things. Mm-hmm. And it is infused a little bit more. I feel like I know many of my colleagues' personal situations more so than what I did before COVID. Mm -hmm. And it's because people are talking about how they're managing and how Mm -hmm. they're... And I don't know if that's good or bad, Mm -hmm. but it definitely is changing things a little bit. Mm -hmm. I wonder if DE and I have something to do with this too. Like so many more open conversations about my experience that's different from yours and it's okay that we have different experiences. Mm -hmm. And it's... Very it's, tricky. It, the conversation is being forced at, well, not forced, but the conversation has been opened. Right. And so it is coming more into the workplace. Yes. And if you're not having it in the workplace, you're losing. Right. And I do think that there is a concern in terms of being a colleague, especially a manager, mm-hmm. that DE&I would be a concern if you are 
asking specific questions or priming too hard about people's per- personal lives. Mm-hmm. And if you're starting to ask people about what they're doing in their free time, mm-hmm that might be signaling things about their home life situation mm-hmm. that could potentially be detrimental because you now view them in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And there actually has been some interesting writing about the fact that those that are, for example, in lower socioeconomic status, that when they are engaging in Zoom calls, mm-hmm. they want their camera off mm-hmm. or they want background blurred or whatever because if people can see inside your home, it's it's signaling where you're where you are in a way yeah. that makes people uncomfortable. Mm. And as a professor, we've been given pretty clear mandates on what we can and can't do in terms of asking students, for example, to turn cameras on. Yeah. And so it it really gets into this whole situation of yes, it does help. Like to know mm-hmm. people's personal situation, it helps mm-hmm. build trust and rapport and understanding mm-hmm. and perspectives on what's going on in your life so that I can understand how to help you at work. Mm -hmm. But not everybody's comfortable with these conversations Mm -hmm. because it might then accidentally lead into things that aren't so good. Mm -hmm. And also I think it's recognizing when you are one way or the other that you should be aware of of all of these contingencies that are out there. Mm -hmm. Like I think I definitely am more so on the personal side. And I love talking about my family. Mm -hmm. I love talking about my two little girls. Mm -hmm. It is such a big part of my life. And I enjoy relating to others that are in that similar life stage and having those conversations. But I have found myself also recognizing that, you know what? Not everybody wants to talk about this. I mean, not everybody wants to talk about their kids as much as I want to talk about mine. I got to kind of, you know, ease up a little bit because... You know, you still also at the same time want to respect the things that they are comfortable yeah. having a conversation with, mm-hmm. just as you would on the other side of, yeah. you know, wanting to make sure you infuse a little bit of trust and rapport through some of these things. It's not easy. That one's a tricky balance. Yes. They're all a balance. Let's talk about another tricky balance. This difference between quantity versus quality. Both. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want lots of yes, good things. Yes, and. <laughs> So, I mean, the reality is that, like, resources are finite. Yeah. Time, energy, money, you only have so much. And I think all of us as individuals feel more comfortable engaging in a certain level of quantity and quality based upon our capabilities, based upon our overarching goals. Like, do we just want to get a lot done? and move the needle and make forward progress Mm -hmm. versus do we want to do one thing and do it really well and Mm -hmm. make this perfect? Mm -hmm. I see that being a big division a lot of times Mm -hmm. in in dyadic conversations or in team conversations. Dyadic being one-on-one, right? One-on-one, yes. (laughs) So professorial. Yes. Yes. Do you think that is like a trait or do you think that is a culture or how, what do you think that is? Is that a choice? Is that a, yeah. a gut reaction? Like what, what do you think that is? So here's another more <laughs> professorial answer. <laughs> I think that what we can do a lot of times is evaluate what are in the assessments, right? We're evaluating a trait. We're evaluating a value. We're evaluating a specific cognitive orientation. Mm-hmm. And you can evaluate those individually and that's helpful because each one of those individual dimensions within each one of these traits leads to a certain type of behavior. But you also can take a step back and create what would be called a profile analysis Mm -hmm. that is 
a weighted assortion of all sorts of different characteristics and dimensions that leads to a certain type of perspective or orientation, such as your preference for quantity over quality or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that, and this is I think an important part of what Cloverleaf is doing, is that we're not just looking at one dimension or one assessment at a time. Mm -hmm. We're looking at them all on the aggregate because mm -hmm. we have so many within the platform. Mm -hmm. We can then pick apart all of these and then put them back together in ways that are meaningful in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this is actually more, it's something else. It's not a specific trait, it's not a specific value, it's not a specific preference. It is something that is at a more abstract level. Mm -hmm. It's a gestalt of all of these other things. And it kind of comes across as, here's our preference. Mm -hmm. I want to engage in this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we're doing that uh, regularly, and we're kind of figuring out what people's preferences are. Mm -hmm. And so like for me, it, it's, I'm kind of in the middle, mm -hmm. and I feel like I have a hard time because I can't decide which way to go a lot of times because <laughs> You're stuck. I'm stuck in the middle. Please, somebody just tell me. I need Darren to come in and just tell me. He would. This he is would, what you're going to do. He okay. would say quantity. Quantity. <laughs> he will always say quantity. Okay, then does that mean that you're more quality? Yeah, so we okay. actually, Darren and I have talked about our yin and yang of mm -hmm. quality, which is me, versus speed, which is him. There you go. And so that can come off as quantity. Yeah, like I think, test yes. so many yeah. things. Yeah, the yeah, more yeah. conversations, the more opportunities, the better you can try them all out. Whereas yes. I'm sitting here like, Darren, one integration at a time. Yeah. Like you can't actually right. we'll build do it and do it right. an awesome thing 17 times all at once, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then lo and behold, people don't use it if you right. don't actually do a good job with mm -hmm. it, like do a mm -hmm. high quality job with it. Right. Um, but that can also lead to us not doing anything or only doing one thing when we needed to do tests on four things to see which one initially sticks and yeah. is the one to go deep on, right? right. So. Right. He, yeah, he, he always talks about it, like our yin and our yang. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say, though, I am naturally more in the middle and can feel stuck. Okay. Like, if I have a day with nothing on the agenda, I'm like, gosh, do I bust out 17 tasks or one thing that'll mm -hmm. take a longer time? Yeah. And I... Um, I think the the situation I'm in pushes me to one or the other. So for example, Darren, because he is so quantity speed, my quality side like red flags go up, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's the one that really leans leans in here at work. Right. I don't want to overgeneralize, but I do think that the higher up you go, a lot of times we are more thinking about at scale, mm -hmm. on aggregate, mm -hmm. right? I want to make sure that my quality level is up to a specific point, mm -hmm. and that's enough. Mm -hmm. And then Good beyond enough. that, it really needs to be about quantity, because mm -hmm. without that quantity, I can't get the underlying engine to produce yeah. whatever it is that we need to produce. Absolutely. And so the challenge then becomes being really clear on what that line of quality is, mm -hmm. so that everyone understands for this specific task, this yeah. is what we're shooting for. For yeah. this task, this is what we're shooting for, so that everyone's on the same page for what it can be. Yeah. Which is really fuzzy, right? What, what is quality, though? Yeah. I mean, like, how do you really dictate yeah. what is the highest of quality? I think what's so good about knowing this about yourself, though, like knowing which side you veer to and what's super important to yeah. you, is really 
eye-opening in conversations. It helps you decode some of that stuff that's frustrating. So for example, on our leadership team, I said, I'm, I'm quality, but really our CTO is quality. <laughs> like he's all the way there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his name's Matt and yeah. he's the bomb. And then Darren is all quantity, right? Right. And so they're on different sides of the spectrum, and I find myself right in between them, and uh, often trying yeah. to like be the go-between messenger. Like sure. I'll have a one-on-one with Darren, I'll have a one-on-one with Matt, and I finally was like, "Y'all need to have one-on-ones," because like <laughs> I'm just in between, right? right? right. Don't and, shoot the messenger. I'm just trying to help. Right. And we had this leadership team conversation, which I think there's like six people on leadership team, and um, and I was like, "Y'all, we have some broken records here." Like I hear it every time where Matt says, "We need to invest in this. If we want to do it, we got to do it right, and we've got to." Give, allocate the right amount of investment. Right. And then Darren says, but we just got to try things. We just got to test it out. We're a startup. Yeah. We can't do everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then Matt says, I'm not trying to do perfect. I'm trying to do right. We've got to invest. And Darren right. says, but we just got to <laughs> test and and keep trying and keep going. Like we're yeah. young, we're a startup. We don't have the capital, right? And, and I was like, they're, they're easy to pick on because they're so different on this spectrum. Yeah. But they weren't realizing, like, oh, this is different preference. And we're actually not even talking about the meat of the conversation because we're so stuck in our perspective (laughs) and the glasses we have on of our which side of the spectrum we fall on. Right. Yeah. They're they're coming at the conversation with that lens, Mm -hmm. not necessarily coming at it from each other's lens to try to get to the source of the problem. And you can flex on your strengths during that conversation when you're looking at both, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily sticking to your perspective for the sake of winning or something like that. Not that Matt and Darren do. I mean, they they always figure it out, right? And I think it's healthy to have that debate. And this gets back to, I think, almost like an overarching theme here, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, know where you are, know where the other party is, Mm -hmm. and be open-minded enough to ensure that you're genuinely and authentically incorporating the other's perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's not about winning. It's about making sure that you do what's best for that team at that particular moment for that task. And I think a lot of times people feel unheard or misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And that's why they can continue saying, no, 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 but we still need to invest the right amount. Or we still need to like keep testing and growing fast and trying new things, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because you think the other person didn't hear you because you're so (laughs) in your zone of what your way of viewing the world is. And when you can pause, recognize that, step back and say, okay, this is just because my perspective is this and Matt's perspective is this. And so therefore, like when we're actually talking about the topic of this product build or whatever it is. Like if we put those perspectives to the side, let's talk more nuts and bolts, right? And and what I like about this example too, for everyone listening who's a normal, real human being, (laughs) this is hard. We live in this world and we still struggle with it here at Cloverleaf Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. we've got, I'm full of great examples of how all these differences bring up conflict and tension and miscommunication and stall decision making or, Mm -hmm. or, lead to awesome decision making and we recognize it in each other and we appreciate that difference and so we know who the sounding board should be and we know when we need an additional perspective and then we invent something way more powerful, way more exciting. Our metrics are up and to the right and everyone goes home really proud of what we're doing and we're great, we did it together, kumbaya, you know? Yeah, Yeah. it's brilliant, you're right, for sure. That actually reminds me of a a really good exercise that gets at what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I had, this happens a lot. There's sales and operations. Oh, gosh. And they fight because operations want to reduce cost and sales wants to bring in revenue. Mm-hmm. And 
it's easier to bring in revenue when things are cheaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just is a really hard balance sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so there was these two, they were essentially the managers of these two different departments, and I was kind of the a third party that had re- related tasks with both parties. Mm-hmm. And um, trying to come up with ways to help them like actually work through it and work mm-hmm. it out. I ran across this exercise, um, and it's used a lot in what are called like, mindful leadership programs and so you're helping people relate to each other in a way that's more present and empathetic and engage in perspective taking and infuse a little emotional intelligence and the exercise goes like this and it's it's a lot of fun like everyone should do this with their colleagues with their manager or people that they just disagree with okay so maybe your spouse maybe your spouse definitely y'all should do this with your spouse literally (laughs) daily with your spouse so you, you find some topic, and it doesn't matter what it is, really. Yeah. Um, and you ask person person A yeah. to talk about it for one minute straight. And person B is not allowed to talk for the entire minute. They can acknowledge. They can do the head nods. They can do some nonverbals, but they cannot talk. At the end of that one minute, person B has to paraphrase everything that they've heard person A say. Mm-hmm. And then they can have a, a dyadic conversation, a back and forth conversation of, yes, that's correct, or no, I actually meant this, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they switch roles. And person B gets to do it, mm-hmm. while person A does nothing but listen. And through that exercise, you accomplish multiple things. Number one, I feel heard. Yes. I, they genuinely were listening to me. Mm-hmm. And I, felt, I was given the space to have everything I wanted to have said out there in the open and have it acknowledged. And then the person reiterated back to me what they thought I was saying. Mm-hmm. And so you know, after you can train yourself to have these types of conversations mm-hmm. where you're really engaging in active listening, mm-hmm. and, and then the next step can happen, which is now that you've internalized all of the things that are said by both parties, then you can have the real conversation right. that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, we don't get to that real conversation. We just keep having, you know, and back and forth, back and yeah, forth. Yeah, the irony of that is, like, when you feel like the end of the meeting is coming and you've just got to make sure your point is made, you don't yeah. feel like you have time to, to, to say, okay, so what I heard you say is, yeah. is that correct? Mm-hmm. Great. Well, then here's what I have like my additional point to that, right? Yeah. You don't feel like you have time for that, but instead you end up wasting the time because you're like, well, my perspective is this. And then the other person repeats their perspective mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. like, I know you just right. said that. Yep. Like I got it's it. Repeat. And, right? then the, and then the decision on what actually happens mm-hmm. ends up being a matter of like who gets there first mm-hmm. or who has the next conversation with the real decision maker. Mm-hmm. And then like it, then nothing really ended up being reconciled. Mm-hmm. It just momentum decided for you who is actually going to be. <laughs> and then you're just frustrated. Everyone's right. frustrated. Right, yeah. Right. That's not how. Yeah. Ideally, you at least get acknowledgement from yeah. both parties. Right? Active listening is just a good life skill in right. any of the differences we've talked about. All right. Our very last one. Detail-oriented versus big picture Mm -hmm. thinking. I love this one because I am big picture thinking and I get so exhausted by the details and I drop a lot of balls. (laughs) So my email inbox will show you that, right? And getting to know this about myself has unleashed me to understand, oh, okay, 
I don't have to feel bad that I literally cannot think through 17 edge cases and writing a user story when I'm managing product, right? Right, right? I can recognize that's not a failure of who I am. That's actually just like my brain does not compute and so I need to go to this super detail oriented person and yeah. run my things by them and say what do you think about this right and 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 I also need to recognize that when I'm pitching a new concept mm-hmm. and somebody asks me a bunch of detail oriented questions one I'm gonna get tired yeah. and two I need that person yeah. and three they're not just poking holes in my ideas because they think I'm terrible yes they just literally don't have enough information to understand, right? Yeah. And so I think it's such a helpful one to understand. From the inverse perspective, detail-oriented people can tend to, you know, like try to present the whole entire piece of information sure. in a way that loses other people. Yeah. And so they need to understand, like, when you're starting to lose people, like this mm-hmm. might be why it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Detail-oriented people can also understand, like, oh my gosh, I have a superpower. Like, things can't get done without the details really actually ending up making sense. And so when there are these big picture thinkers, one, they're not incompetent. Mm -hmm. Two, they need me. Oh my gosh, I have such a superpower, right? (laughs) right. Um, So there's such a good, um, like there's so much power that can come from understanding this difference. And there's also so much conflict that can come from not understanding it because yes. like I said, you know, like someone can p- pitch a big picture idea and they think that somebody is attacking who they are as a person or like, oh my gosh, that person is always trying to prove that I'm incapable or that person mm-hmm. is always out to get me. Right. No, 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 that person really doesn't understand what you're saying yet right. and they're gonna help you make it a better idea. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the detail-oriented person thinking like, why aren't people listening to me? Why are they, right. why are they cutting me off? Well, it could right. be because you're covering a little too much that's not necessary yet. Yep. Or, um, you know, why are people always incompetent? No, they're not. They're just not right. seeing what you're seeing, and they need you to, to, to bring it in a way that they can receive. That's right. And the, and the big challenge when you're one way, detail-oriented or big picture, and you're working with somebody that's the opposite, mm-hmm. is that it's really hard to bring that up. Like, I would say mm-hmm. I am probably a little bit more detail-oriented yes. than I am big picture. I would agree. <laughs> Mr. Dyadic and, like, all yeah. your big words. I'm specific on my definitions. Yes. I mean, it's like the academic training, right? Like, everything needs to be defined. Mm-hmm. I need to know the dimensions. I need, mm-hmm. to know the, I, I need to know all that structure. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't know what we're talking about, okay, you've convinced me. Yes, I'm detail-oriented. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm, coming, I'm having an epiphany in the moment. Um, it's a therapy session for Scott. Thank you. Test. I yes. need it. And yeah, that's helpful for me because like I feel like you can't have a conversation mm-hmm. and make forward progress unless we're all agreeing what we're talking about. It's true. <laughs> and so I think the challenge for me is that when I am engaging with people maybe that are more big picture, mm-hmm. I don't want to sound stupid by basically being like, I'm not following all the big stuff you're talking about right mm-hmm. now. It is over my head mm-hmm. and abstract and I just I can't make heads or tails of it, mm-hmm. A. And B, I don't want to slow them down sometimes, mm-hmm. where it's like, man, this person seems to really be on a roll and knows what they're talking about here. I'm just going to take feverish notes mm-hmm. of all my questions. Mm-hmm. And then maybe at the end, I can be like, okay, can you clarify X? Can you clarify Y? And mm-hmm. that will help. Mm-hmm. And it never does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think on the other end, it also is, is hard, right? If you're the big picture person and someone's detail-oriented, it's the initial reaction is, please, fast, forward yeah. I don't have time for this or this is annoying like I just don't like it yeah and there's no good way to bring it up because yeah. you know they might kind of be 
they might get defensive, mm-hmm. or that might just be the way they need to process the mm-hmm. information to actually get it out. Yes. So this one to me is really, really hits home in that I do see a lot of mental angst mm-hmm. and it's not verbalized. Yep. And there's no like language for yep. it to help people really figure out like what's the right way to approach this. Yep. And I think there's just like with all of these differences, we fall on one side of it and we can feel like, oh, I should be more like the other side. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I have felt like, oh, I should be more detail oriented. And I know people who are more detail oriented who think, why can't I just like see the big picture yet? Yeah. Right? right? And it's like, it's fine that you can't see the big picture yet. Your brain literally has to understand the details to understand the conclusion Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. that's fine that's important that's important everybody needs that skill set yeah Um, or that that amount of information I really see this play out with data Mm -hmm. you know I'll be like hey just want to understand like this type of user does this type of action and they're like well we have that data in this way or in that way and are you particularly asking about and I'm like you know I don't know. I, I don't know, and I could use a nap right now. Right, <laughs> right. Just tell me an answer that you think makes the most sense based upon what I know. Yeah, yeah right. which can lead to, in an unaware situation, it can lead to people thinking like, dang, Kirsten just doesn't take this serious. Like, yeah, she yeah. is not trying hard enough. She is just swoop and poop. Like, she's just bringing it in. She's like, figure it out. So, yeah, you know? And it could also lead to, on the other hand, like, my gosh, why can't you just think for yourself? Like, why just critically think through. You understand what I need. Like, just figure it out, right? And it's like, no, neither of those are true. That's right. And so I know that, one, there are just a bajillion nuances to data Mm -hmm. and that I'm so grateful we have extremely detail-oriented thinkers working on that. And so when I'm going to come with a request, I better really think through how to best articulate it. It challenges you to think through it differently. And I have to challenge my spirit to pause and not spend five seconds, but maybe five whole minutes on that Slack message, right? Right. And that's okay. Like that's going to be the most productive, helpful thing. Right. Meeting in the middle to some degree. And making sure that you can you can retain that big picture thinking but with a little bit closer to the language that they'll appreciate or mm-hmm. some of the details that they need in order mm-hmm. to get it done. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's all of our differences. That's it. We got through it. That's amazing. And those are only like the most common. Really like oh people are complicated. There's a million yeah. different ways that we're all different that's and right. um, I just hope that these stories are helpful for people and help open up eyes to like when you're in a situation, you feel the tension rising, you can stop and right. think, okay, what is the key difference or multiple differences that I can pick up on that are happening in this room right now. And how can I, empowered with this knowledge, try to bring the tension down in a way? I could use humor. That's a great one. I can do active listening. Mm -hmm. Another great one. Just repeat back. This is what I heard you say. Is that right? What What other helpful takeaways do we have for people? Yeah, I think just this whole process in a way is a form of self reflection Mm -hmm. and that self reflection we know leads to Mm self-awareness and then we know that the the degree to which you're self-aware is going to dictate the extent to which you can actually self-regulate so like this is the start of the process Mm -hmm. assessments are helpful Mm -hmm. having conversations getting coaching is helpful Mm -hmm. thinking about it proactively in a way that is setting up the cognitive schemas the framework mentally so that you can recognize it in the moment because mm-hmm. life happens fast mm-hmm. when you're in the moment and you're working with somebody mm-hmm. to create the language proactively 
in, in a logical format mm-hmm. like we're doing now, mm-hmm. when that moment happens, you're already equipped with the language mm-hmm. so that it can happen quickly. Mm-hmm. So you have to help your brain make that type of connection mm-hmm. so that it can work well. Mm-hmm. And so I think as people are having conversations with it, listening to the information, having conversations with their peers and their spouses and mm-hmm. their managers, that is all creating a language. Mm-hmm. I've always said to my students that a lot of organizational behavior and human capital and everything that we do in this space, a lot of times is just creating a language for something that we didn't yet have. Mm-hmm. Right? We have a language for finance. We have a language for accounting. We have a language for operations. We have mm-hmm. a language for development. Why do we not have a language for managing ourselves and others? Mm-hmm. And if you do, it gives yourself a higher likelihood of actually using it. Mm-hmm. That's so good. The power of language and putting words to it. I also like, I think a great trigger for thinking through this information again in the future is when you are in a situation where you start to think, what is wrong with me or what is wrong with that person? (laughs) When you start to make it about character, your own character or their character, your story, Dr. Dust of you were doing sales and traveling and you just were like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I keep up with this? Turns out you're an introvert who, who gets energized by deep thinking heads down time to do work, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with you. You just weren't accepting who you really are, like how you're wired, right? Yeah, yeah. And then what's wrong with that person? Well, are they more detail-oriented, more big-picture thinking? Are they more confident humility? Are they yeah. more like performance learner? Like think through all the differences and start to wonder, Right. oh, wait, maybe they just have a different strength. Or maybe I just have a different strength that we haven't all figured out yet. Yep. How do I figure that out? And then how do I lean into it right. so that we can all be a lot more relationally close, um, productive in our work, and mm-hmm. like energized by the end of the day, not That's just right. totally wiped out with nothing left to give when we get home. That's right. Yeah. That's people's favorite thing to complain about when they get home, right? Is work and the people at work. Work and the people at work. <laughs> so, yeah. If we can just like help chip away at that just a little bit, I feel like we will have added value to the world. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's all we've got for you this time. Thank you for tuning into this episode of People Are Complicated. I'm your host, Kirsten Moorfield. Be sure to tune in next time. We are going to dive deeper into the topics of what causes tension at work and how that can actually lead us to stronger, more impactful work that we're proud of and that we actually enjoy doing. Until then, head on over to cloverleaf.me. Learn more about Cloverleaf, what we do in our day jobs, and sign up for a free trial to unleash your team to do their best work. See you next time.